Ready? Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode, episode podcast world 18, episode 9. <laughs> um, we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Um, every week we hang out and listen to great video game music of um, all generations and all consoles, and we have a good time doing it. So It's yeah. just the thing we do. It's ridiculous. It sounds a little wacky, but man, does it get the, je- does it the job done and the day goes by. <laughs> You gotta forgive me a little bit here. I had a LaCroix mm-hmm. and some sriracha with a supposedly level four out of five spicy from a Thai restaurant sauce. So mm-hmm. I'm riding the You're riding the LaCroix wave? The uh, the, the, the No I'm like the hallucinated. Sparkled sparkled beverage wave. No, fun fact. Overly spicy foods makes for quite the hallucinogenic <laughs> sensation. So I'm just kind of all over the place right now. Um so before before we get started, I would like to thank everyone who came out to see us uh, this past Friday at Too Many Games. Um, we had our show it was on it was on seven thirty at night, and um, we had some people come out and have a good time with us. So uh, thank you all so much for coming out to the show. We did not get any of it recorded, but thank you so much for being there anyway. It was genuinely hilarious, mm-hmm. and I'm actually it's like a part of me wants to do the topic anyway but yeah. there's another part of me that's like but would it be as good we'll uh, make it work but... I, I don't know I think it worked great because of the audience no I would right? still be yeah, let's yeah. not be stupid here <laughs> we, we still can make this thing sizzle it's just it won't be a Fuego Inferno <laughs> we're good speaking of Fuego Inferno I think we should introduce um, this week's guests and it's actually quite the guest yeah so um, we have with us uh, Mr. Brent Weinbach and Mr. F Switch from <laughs> well, that, 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 you got to say that full name, Robert F. <laughs> Switcher. <laughs> wait a minute, would they say what is? Wait, is it Rob? Is it just short Rob. for Robert? Um, but anyway, thank you both for coming on the show. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you would just uh, please um, state your full names for us so that we can um, you know provide some context for the audience. But uh, from the Legacy Music Hour, how are you guys doing? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. I, do you know? Like, <laughs> do you I know like that Roberts? Oh, go ahead. Like, oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> well, I just no. I like that Roberts F switch. You know, that's a kind of a new new angle on on your well, on your kind of persona, even almost. I well, would say I, that 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 sounds very formal. But also, I don't know. I, I don't know if you knew this, Brent. I don't think I ever told you. When I was in kindergarten, my teacher called me Bob. Mm, what? <laughs> so I really? Bob. I know. Robert F. Smith. From one Rob to another, how do you feel about changing the R to the B to make a Bob? Bob. I never really got that. I understand why it's done. Bob, I I I think it's cool when people call Robert De Niro Bob. <laughs> a lot of people in the industry, actors and other directors, say, Oh yeah, Bob this, Bob that. And that sounds cool, but Bob on me? Bob? Right. No. no, no. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say no. But it is weird. How how did a B? How does an R turn into a B? Bob, it's, it's to a shorten lot. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, or I guess they what they do is they, well, no, but they lengthen part of the letter of R to make a B. So yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, it turns into a B. I've always thought it was kind of um, it was kind of like. Like a child's name, like if I was a young kid, they would call me Bob. And now that I'm older, but I can't say that because my father's name was, was was also Robert, but everyone called him Bob. 
So, but like, so like to me, Bob sounded like an older name, um, one with a mustache and sold cars. I don't know. Maybe it's just getting too. Uh, well, you're getting personal. a little too into because you got to realize <laughs> there's so many names that have nicknames that don't compute. We have the most obvious one being William getting transferred translated to Bill. Now, right. like, I don't get yeah. how that works. Leonard becomes Lenny, which I get the L and the E, but everything mm. else just kind of gets goofy. Right, um, and then of course Richard becomes Dick. Which how does that work? Yeah, know? like there's like some where I discovered it. There's like some weird like ancient Egyptian text that <laughs> just that just states that Dick is like the I don't know the Pharaoh's name for his favorite Richard. I don't know. We need we need Dick's Rosetta Stone. That would take care of it. Right. That would give us the deets. <laughs> um, Cool. We need Dick Stone. So he's <laughs> close to saying that. Or Dick Wolf. Well, I mean, yeah, Dick Wolf. Did, now, it, since both of you guys' names is Rob, do you uh, are you guys do you guys feel already a connection? Because uh, you, you know, people kind of treat you based on your name. Sometimes mm-hmm. they kind of you know, people can might I don't know based on their past history with a certain name that might kind of. You treat you a certain way. Do you guys feel like you've lived the same life in a way? You guys are <laughs> the robber verse. Um, well, um, after the smoke cleared from the console wars of 1990, whatever, um, I, I do feel that people, um, because of my preference for the Sega Genesis, um, and I believe that Rob F. also feels the same way, um, that people treat us differently because of that. And um, I'm here to prove them that you know we're... Our, our tastes in game music and in hedgehogs is no different than people's tastes in um, <laughs> Italian plumbers. <laughs> oh, I beg to differ. Um, you have your Green Hills over there. We have our layer cakes and you know, mushroom kingdoms over here. Mm, and I'm going to tell you something. Mushroom kingdoms are pretty darn tasty. <laughs> Sauteed just right, but no, I don't, I don't know. Like Genesis, actually, I will say, though I have always had a like for Genesis music, mm-hmm. I will say that doing this podcast has given me more of an appreciation for Genesis music in general. Because I would always say, oh yeah, Super Nintendo had the better music and better colors mm. and graphics. But over the course of doing this show, I'm so glad I've been able to change your mind. Oh, you, you didn't change it. You, you know, more of a 45. We didn't go nuts here. Um, but I've come to realize that there are definitely areas where the Genesis will just smoke out. It just does. No, it didn't. Me too. I had the same experience, you know, uh, doing the pod, our podcast. You know, I didn't, I, I knew there were definitely like, there was Genesis music that I liked, uh, you know, like Sonic the Hedgehog. But I just didn't realize how amazing the Genesis music could be, you know, with people like Norio Hanzawa oh, yeah. and Hitoshi Sakamoto, and, and the, that there was, and then yeah, like I, I realized, I always thought that the music on Super Nintendo was better, but then I realized, oh, it really, just depends on who's who's working with with what they're working with, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I wanted to ask something before we get into the show in depth. I mean, I'm. Sh- I got a feeling that a lot of people out here already know this, but I'm. I'm the podcast pimp here, so I need to get the deets. So, how would you say you guys came to decide to start originally doing the Legacy Music Hour? Well, I well, was born in born in a comedy club. No, would you say that, Brent? Y- yes, the Improv Comedy Club in Hollywood, California. 
Mm. Um, prior, prior to that, I, I did radio in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and uh, I used to play video game music on that, and I it'd been years since I did that, and I was really missing mm. kind of sharing video game music with the public. And um, so, you know, Rob, Rob and I were talking, and then for some reason, I don't know why it came up, but Rob... Ha- you know, you were really into the soundtrack to Lightning Force. Exactly. Thunder Force and, 4. And you know what? To this day, I don't even remember how I even got my hands on that way back when. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I Didn't I... Did, did I let you have the CD or let you borrow the CD? Yeah, he, or he, he burned a CD from me I or something like that. Right, right. And you how gave me I the did CD. That, I don't even remember why or how I came upon... Well, I rem- No, you know what? Of course, because I played the game on the Sega Genesis, but I found the soundtrack and I had remembered the 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 game. So I, I said, people people need to know about this. I have to spread the word. Spread the gospel. That's good. Yeah, somehow somehow Rob, you knew you knew that I was into video game music and or something like that. <clears throat> and um anyway, so you know, we kind of first started connecting about video game music because of that. Lightning Force really. And then I was talking at one point about how, yeah, I wanted. I think I want to do a podcast about, uh, you know, just where we, you know, play tracks and where I play tracks and just, uh, you know, talk about what I like about the track and stuff like that. Because basically, I would just do that on friends all the time. I would always say, "Oh, listen to this track. Oh, listen to this part. This part's cool here." And you know, I thought oh, I just want to do that and get back to playing stuff on on a, in a radio format. Mm. And then Rob said, "Well." He's like, I'll do it with you if you want. I'll, I'll get, I'll get some, uh, I'll get some equipment, and we can start doing it. I said, Well, I know I, I had already had the equipment. Oh I yeah, I had everything because I had been dabbling with the idea of oh. doing something with this recording equipment. So you and, guys started kind of early on, and like when, like I feel like the podcasts were just booming around the time that you guys were getting involved. So maybe I mean, were you feeling that 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 wave of um, interest in the format? I thought it was kind of late, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, I mean, well, we started, you know, in 2010 and it was, I mean, podcasts were kind of doing, you know, I I felt like that was kind of late, but now people are still starting new podcasts. So I feel like, I mean, now I feel like we got in early actually, but yeah, um, I feel like what happens, like you were in when people were making them, but like, if I remember correctly, just to refer to the original term, like, podcast came just because originally people were only playing them, like, on their just their iPods in general. And there wasn't a hard, diverse amount of people playing them on other venues or mm-hmm. other outlets. So it was still low-key entertainment. Like, people had them, but they weren't as prevalent. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays, like, not even going this far, let's talk like, 20, like 2015 or 2014 even. Like, podcasting came up quite a bit between 2010 and 2014. Mm-hmm. Due to for public access and use, and you guys kind of were on that wave going up. Yeah, I feel like um, the first thing I, I when I first I didn't get a, uh, a smartphone for a very long time or anything that could play um, podcasts. But the first time I was like, oh, you know, I should probably look into that. I just the first thing I searched for was video game music, and I was like, oh, cool, Legacy Music Hour. What's this about? <laughs> and I was like, perfect. This oh yeah, that was here. Yeah, that was actually another thing was that. I was kind of looking for video game music podcast myself mm-hmm. in you know 2010, and I I did couldn't find it. There weren't any actually, um, or at least there certainly weren't any that uh, focus on the eras that I was that I like. You know, right, right. So right. Um, I did find some radio, streaming radio stations on the internet that would play video game music, but 
uh, a lot of them played sort of remixes and stuff, which I didn't really want to hear. And then I, they they played or a lot of modern uh, console stuff. And but anything, there was only one station that I found that kind of was focused more on retro stuff. But that that even that included Nintendo sixty four stuff. So there wasn't really anything that was just purely third and fourth generation stuff. And if it was, it was really limited so anyway yeah that was part of it too that uh, uh, there wasn't anything out there at the time yeah well how about we um we start listening to some music um i know that i asked uh brent and rob to bring some tracks in our general format and um we're gonna listen to them and get into it so well worth mentioning you got to mention this i got before we go um, yes the fact that (laughs) the (laughs) the legacy music hour as you heard earlier, their usual style of selection of tracks falls back on like the 16-bit, 8-bit era more so, right? Yep, right. So, Third and fourth generation, full on, yeah. Yeah, buddy. But coming on here, they are able to come out a little bit more because like, hey, well, Rhythm and Pixels does whatever. Right. So they actually brought quite a bit of heat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm really excited about the music that you've chosen um, yeah, to, I, to share for the show, I picked a special selection from my Casio watch, uh, <laughs> 19, 1992. So that's vintage. I, 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 hmm? <laughs> I think the the uh, listeners are going to get a real kick out of the selections from the Casio Timex uh, musical yeah. musical watch. Yeah, I brought I brought a track from the TI eighty. Nice, uh, the Texas Instruments eighty uh, calculator. They had a nice little jingle in there that I thought would be good for the show. So. Yes, Actually, I think I think um, I had a TI eighty two, and it used um, Z eighty um, pro. Uh, you can program in Z eighty um, uh, machine language on it, which I think was the same same processing language that was used on the Famicom. So maybe there's a little connection there. Oh um, yeah, I, yeah, I could be completely yeah. wrong, but. Um, that's about as nerdy as I'm going to get today. So um, we usually ask our guests to, to start off the show, but we have two guests, um, Brent or Rob. Uh, which one of you would like to select our first track for the day? Do you have an idea? What do you think, what, Rob? Well, what episode number is this? Yeah, what episode uh, <laughs> We have the same thing. It's uh, 18-9. So it's nine. So what is that? Right, is oh, that so it's, it's an odd number? That means odd it number. would be me. Yep, yep. I, 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 I usually... Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> That's awesome. That is hilarious. All right. So on both shows, Rob gets the even numbered even-numbered episodes. And the opposite guy gets the odd. Okay. That's legit. Keep in mind, I've been like doing like Rob matchups this whole episode so far. Like, that's dual Rob vision you're going on. You're going to find out later that we both like robbed a bank together and <laughs> <laughs> all these little connections. It's going to be like, it's a, like a Twilight Zone episode. Wait, yeah. But like you, you robbed a bank together because you had to like live up to the name Rob. So you <laughs> rob, rob the bank. And not enough connections. <laughs> Must have more. Like a single white female thing between me and Rob. All right, so this yeah, is- I got a, I got a quick question for Rob, real quick. Rob Switch, do you uh, wait? Did you get called Bobby though, also, or just straight Bob? I'm Bob by my first grade teacher, um, but when I worked at one of the barber shops uh, where I worked at in Los Angeles there was a barber who's a very good friend of mine he just would call me Bobby uh-huh. Bobby the barber Bobby the barber all right Bobby the barber to... Heenan <laughs> oh well speaking of Bob Bob and Barb and whatever 
I mean, that actually is a good segue into hmm. uh, the first track I'm going to share, I guess. Okay. Well, okay. This is actually really going out to you, Bob. Uh, because <laughs> Sorry. Because the track that I'm going to start with is from uh, a new game for, well, I, I played it on the Nintendo Switch, but I th- you can play it on Steam as well. Um, it's called Baba Is You. And uh, so... You know, I mean, look, it's just a perfect transition here. Mm. Like Um, this guy. Like this guy. This is a new, uh, so this is a puzzle game. And uh, it's the the game is was made by somebody named RV Tekari. Mm -hmm. And um, he also did the music to it as well. Um, And uh, yeah, it's uh, we're going to hear a track called Cog is Push. Which is the music that plays in the solitary aisle uh, area of the game, which is uh, the kind of second or third area. And uh, yeah, this is just one of the tracks by the designer of the game, RV Tikari, from Baba Is You. Um, it's a pretty cool puzzle game that I never was able to completely finish because it just was too hard. It's a really hard puzzle game, yeah, and I beat long. almost every single. I almost beat every single puzzle in it, except for. Like the second to last one, I couldn't figure out. But right. anyway, I know Paulus and I have some words about that too. Oh so, yeah. yeah, let's talk the tracks. All right, so let's, 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 yeah, so Cog is push from Baba is you. Listening to Cog is Push, known as a Solitary Isle from the game Baba is You, composed by RV Taikari. And this one's chosen by Brent Weinbach. Brent Weinbach. I, I gotta I have to say this right off the bat. There are there are some weird similarities popping off on this episode. So fun fact. <laughs> Rob, I saw I was on the email chain of the dialogue exchange, so I knew when you submitted your tracks. However, 
As Rob can attest, I typically don't send my track to him until like the last minute or oh, near it. Yeah, He's like, oh, geez, don't <laughs> tell me about it's it. It's just you and me. It's different. Like, because <laughs> we got the laptop is set up. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but before I saw your track selection, I had water sink mm. from the same game on mine. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. I was like, you gotta oh, be well, kidding me! Yeah, you were, you were, uh, Pernell, you were stuck into this game for a, a while. Like, it was, uh, it was in your brain. Yes, yeah. like, I wonder if you can feel, if you attested this statement too, <clears throat> in the sense that when Nintendo had their indies broadcast, this game was amongst it. But visually, it didn't really draw me in. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of at work with it playing in the corner. Don't tell my boss. And uh, so I didn't really pay attention to a lot of like them describing this is how the game's going to work. So watching this right. doesn't look appealing at all. But uh, I ended up pulling a review code for it, and I was kind of expecting to be like, eh, this game is okay at best, nothing special. Just ignore it. And now it is seriously my favorite game that's been released this year. It is a gem. It's yeah. It's I know great. what you mean though. I like I I kind of I found it to be a little bit. I mean it's so. I mean, the game is kind of like dry in a way, mm-hmm. uh, but I just I got sucked in because there was there was there's certain puzzles in it. They're just so cool. Some of the solutions to them, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I definitely enjoyed it. I spent 156 hours on this game. Holy and I, yeah, yeah, and I didn't. I still I just couldn't. Uh, by the and 27 of those hours were spent on one puzzle in particular that I could not ever figure out. I still haven't figured out. And I, I don't, I, I hope to figure it out one day. So if you know the puzzle I'm talking about, uh, I won't say the name of it because I don't want anybody to, to tell me anything about it. But What world is it though? It it's it's in the final world. Okay. Uh, now, how, now, when, when, now when, when did it break you, Pernell? When did, when did Baba is you hurt you? Here's the thing. <laughs> when did Baba I, hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us on the doll. Now, uh, it's, I can't say it broke me because you can t- attest. I'm constantly jumping between games because either yeah. I want to play through something or I'm getting hit with copies and stuff. I got to play everything. But I keep going back and trying to do more when I find time and I want to delve more. But what I will say was there was one point in the game and what I like about this game is because of this is that you'll be stumped on a puzzle for an absurd amount of time. And when the solution finally hits, you almost feel dumb for not getting it sooner. In fact, there was a level in the second world, the Water Zone, Sunken Temple. Actually, the first level was called something Sunken Temple in there. And I solved the puzzle. And afterwards, and actually, that took me a little bit. And then I unlocked the level after that. And when I went to it, I was stumped for like a good two hours or so. And here's where it gets weird. The solution to the puzzle, even though they made some changes, was exactly the same as the solution to the previous area. And it didn't even click for me. Oh, wow. It was almost like uh-huh. a double fake. Right? Yes. Yeah. Huh. I was like, how is that possible? You change all these elements, but the solution is exactly the same. And it fooled me. So I was like, there was a part of me saying, was that bad design? Or was that ingenious? Because I didn't put two and two together. Um, now I know that like you're into puzzle games. Like I'm into puzzle games. We and we play puzzle games together. Um, uh, Brent, is this a style that you're like that draws you into it too? Like specifically uh, puzzle pu- games? Yeah, I do. I mean, I do like puzzle games. I mean, I love The Witness. That was one of my favorite games yeah, that came yeah. out a few years ago. The Witness was one that I mean, that was that's actually 
Witness became, even though I, I mainly like older games, that was one of my favorite games of all time was The mm-hmm. Witness. Um, and, you know, and I like, I like uh, Adventures of Lolo and uh, just, you know, I like puzzle games like this. And so, yeah, I, I do like games like this. Um, but sometimes I was like overwhelmed by how many rules there were in a, in a level, you know, whenever I'd walk into, go into a level and see just a bunch of words everywhere, I would just leave and say, oh, I'll come back. <laughs> I'd move on because it was just, it was overwhelming. But I, you know, eventually got used to the, you know, all the rules um, and realized that they weren't as overwhelming as they appeared to be. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I do like, I do like these kind of games. Yeah. Brian. Yes, sir. You know, you know how I solve puzzles? How's that? With my fists and my feet on the street. That's my kind of puzzle game right there. I don't know if your Switch could endure that sort of solution. You're talking about... You're talking about Puzzle Fighter? Oh, yeah. That that, that Street Fighter 2, like, Tetris kind of game or whatever? No, I'm talking about Street Fighter 2 and just the puzzle of actual hand-to-hand combat. Actually, you know... You know, you're maybe kind of joking, but it's kind of true that, well, action games are like puzzles to me. I mean, when trying to figure out uh, boss patterns and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, I think pretty much all like uh, action uh, action platformers and stuff, it, th- those are like puzzles too. Figuring out how, okay, how am I going to beat this, or how mm-hmm. am I going to avoid, mm-hmm. you know, uh, certain attacks. And then how am I going to, you know, infl- yeah. inflict oh, yeah. damage on the opponent? You know, it's a puzzle. Yeah, especially competitive, like head to head. I'm not, I'm not, I never got good at Street Fighter 2, but with Street Fighter 4, you know, I was like big into the competitive scene out mm-hmm. here. And Street Fighter 5, I, I kind of stopped playing for a while. But there's the whole like mind games you play against your opponent. There's the whole Okizime element, which is like the, the knockdown, then wake up and like what do you do when you attack? Um, there's, a, there's so many elements that happen at, at like, but it happens so quickly that unless you're playing the game and looking for these elements and and and, um, and reading them um, I think a, a spectator wouldn't, wouldn't see right away like oh he's puzzling out what to do next or um, or that was an amazing decision because he just faked out his opponent after like four throw attempts I can agree with yeah. that because like while I'm horrific at, uh, at fighting games puzzlers and uh, like shooters platform shmups or whatever are yeah. my thing so like Parkour's Uprising would be a good example of what you were describing, I think, too, with the puzzling through bosses, because the game is riddled with them. Many bosses right. and final bosses, and they're always doing like crazy motions with tells going off. And if you're not able to you know, pontificate what those things would be, you are ultimately going to find yourself just overwhelmed with you know, decisions on how to evade and how to avoid and when to fire. Mm-hmm. But if you're good at spotting that stuff, bosses almost become oh yeah simple. Especially with a um, um this cave, you know, treasure or cave. Oh, cave, cave shooters. Yeah, cave oh, shooters. lord. Um, but no. So if Rob's talking about you know talking with his fists. How about we talk Damn. with? Some, how about you talk with some music? What um what track? <laughs> how about you wow. talk with? How about you talk with your mouth about a track that we're gonna hear with our ears? Okay. <laughs> talk coming ears. Definitely <laughs> deliver on that one. <laughs> you, are, you already know what track I'm going to play first. Coming from the Mega Drive. Ooh. That's right. Mega Drive. <laughs> yeah. That's King, huge. King Colossus. King Colossus is the name of the game. Mm. Boss music, a.k.a. Black Enemy. 
Let's get into it, guys. I'm ready to jam. listening to Black Enemy boss music from the game King Colossus for the Sega Mega Drive composed by Kenichiro Iosta or Iosta I think um, and Purnell is exclaiming this looks like an RPG and is very excited <laughs> yes because I have never heard of this game until you brought this pick and I was expecting it to be completely unlike what I'm looking at now I thought it was going to be about being you know, King Colossus of the Colossi Colony, and you're just basically like doing some more sim-based actions mm. to keep the colony running. This is not this. This is more. I, I like this. This is really making the the Genesis talk. You know, it says it sounds like a voice. So, wow, 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 wow. It it almost yeah. reminds me of uh, Pilot Wings, the Rocket Belt music. You know, a okay. little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 beginning reminds me somewhat of. Uh, the movie Mad Max that the drummers that, <laughs> that uh, the new Mad Max the Mad Max Fury Road when the drummers are drumming oh, into yeah. combat yeah. I just love that almost like a military drum yeah and when... then there's there's that siren in the middle it's like that 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 siren noise is very subtle but I, I really like that as well I'm just glad that he yeah, mentioned like that, Mad like Max, the new one, and clarified it because I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to admit that I've never even seen the original Mad Max. I only know about oh, it because oh, of the right. NES game. Oh, they're fun. They're a lot of fun. Oh, it's been a long you gotta time. see. You gotta see part three, Beyond Thunderdome. That's the best one, I think. Yeah. Really? Right. Oh yeah, you got Tina Turner in it, mm-hmm. and um, there's a good song that she does. Uh, that's part of you know, kind of like part of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a good song, you know. There's there's uh, Blaster Masters in the movie. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, Master Blaster. Oh, tomato, tomato, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's no frog hunting via no. tank in this movie. Uh, so, actually, so would you say that the recent Mad Max, did it do a decent job of carrying up the Mad Max vibe? Or well, not so much? Me, for, for me, personally, I know people really like the movie, but for me, it was... I mean, I, I couldn't even grasp what was going on in the movie because there was all these cuts and stuff, and I... I don't know. There's a little bit. The pacing is a little slower to the other movies, and I prefer slower pacing personally. But um, plus, you know, Tina Turner wasn't in the new one either. So that's enough. Um, and uh, there wasn't a cool song in it like there was for the Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. So, um, and also the Thunderdome concept in and of itself is just. A, anyway, point being is no. I mean, I, I for me, Fury Road did not live up to the standard of of Beyond Thunderdome. Mm. 
This I'll tell you what, right wild. now, yeah. Fury Road, Fury Road, Rob F. Switch approved. That's good. Loved it. I liked it. Too. Absolutely loved it. The action, the the style that it was shot, the score was was very uh, dramatic. The characters were, I loved them, and <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they get out of litigation Warner Brothers and that director so they can get it to work on the sequel I didn't even know they were in litigation no it's it's nasty mm-hmm. both sides are claiming money is owed oh mercy it's nasty mm-hmm. I do appreciate that the the director is the same you know as director as the other Mad Max movies George Miller oh I didn't know that either I'm not much of a I, I like movies a lot but I, I'm, I'm never really good at picking out um, like directors and, and, and actors and stuff like I am with composers sometimes well i can definitely say you should have you seen mm-hmm. the mad max the recent one? Oh, the new one yeah i liked it a lot i i i i really recommend it too but like the original mad 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 maxman <laughs> <laughs> the original mad maxman movies um i watched when i was really young um in the 80s um and so the maximilian so but so it has like a weird but it's it and i haven't watched it recently when i'm an adult so i, I have like this kind of weird connection to these older like these old 80s sci-fi movies so like right it, it sits up with me with these movies i can hardly remember like you remember um uh solar babies no it i've was, never even heard of solar it babies. was kind of like a mad max world in the desert but everyone had rollerblades my impression of solar uh, babies is completely different from yeah, what the yeah. movie is uh, or um um what's that uh, buckaroo bonsai um, in the, yeah buckaroo bonsai I, that the, you know what I loved about what I like about the movie. My favorite part of that movie is the credit sequence. Yes, it's one of the yes. best credit sequence. It has nothing to do with the movie, but it's just the credit sequence is so good. It's one of the best credits sequence in, in any movie. I right. feel like that and the credit sequence to Dune. I think are really I think, good too. I think they could have opened with that ending credit sequence in Buckaroo Banzai, and then when it was over, play the credit sequence again to finish the movie. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, I love that it's so good. I like the music in it too. Actually, yeah, kind of sounds like video game music a little bit. Actually. Yeah, it does. Yeah, were you say a little bit? Yeah. Two two quick questions. Number one, wh- Rob, Rob, are you the rhythm in Rhythm and Pixels? <laughs> yeah, and Pernell, are you the Pixels? Is, I just got that right now. It's actually funny because Rob didn't get that either. <laughs> even though, if I'm not mistaken, he came out with the name. Right. So what okay. happened was we were brainstorming names. We had a bunch. Like he had the sound test at one point. I had like. Like you know, video game buddies or you know, you know yeah, super music friends, super music hour friends. Or we had <laughs> some crazy names, and Rob comes up with rhythm and pixels, spectacular yeah, name, sounded cool, right? So we take it, and then like maybe twenty episodes into the show, I just state just casually, yeah. Rob being the rhythm and me being the pixels, and Rob goes, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "That's what the names mean." Also, and he's like, "I didn't know this. Did you also know that rhythm starts with R and pixels start with P?" And he's like. What I was like, yeah. oh my god, this genius thing! <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very much into music, and, and Pernell uh, is more into and more into games. I mean, I enjoy games, but you you play a lot more than I do. Yeah, and like, um, but I say to was like, well, I do like a lot of game music. I'm terrible with composer recollection, aside from a few. And Rob is a gem when it comes. He's like, I know who wrote all these tracks. I can line up. I can put them up in a, put them in a lineup, and I can tell you mm-hmm. who wrote which what. So, uh, Brent, are you um, Legacy, or are you the Music Hour? Uh, or yeah, or is it, or is somebody else? And uh, is there a third figure involved oh, that it, is one mis- of is a third word? The mysterious <laughs> hour. <It's> like, <laughs> who is Rob? Who is Rob F? Who are, who is? Who do you think would be 
legacy in our group? I don't know. I think I'm the. I think I'm the. <laughs> oh, yeah, the. <laughs> I really I'm, forgot. I'm oh. more of a the man myself. Right, right, right. So, so there's two shadow <laughs> entities, you know, puppeteering. It's, we have a definitive right. article I'm, over here. I'm My legacy. Sec- I'm legacy What's music that? hour, and Rob is the. The. Oh. <laughs> I'm you all know, three. Like, legacy music hour. He's the fourth. The. We were we were talking about movies and video games. Mm-hmm. Do you do you remember there was a time when? A movie would be released, and within a year, the game would be released on the console, the Super Nintendo, Nintendo, Sega Genesis, what have you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happened to those days, huh? Yeah, Pernell. <laughs> Rob looks at me, what about those days? Well, you see, it all started with the body snatchers in the 1990s late period. Now, I feel like what happened, though, is that the game industry kind of blew beyond the need for that, almost. Like, there was a period when oh, that would okay. happen because there was always that desire to try to drum up business and you know tie-ins are easy sells mm-hmm. and we still get okay. those tie-ins. Did you say did you say drum up business? Boom <laughs> boom. No, 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 uh, Rob, Rob, you should turn up the music for that part right oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, for now, you want, you want to drum up that business? <laughs> Yeah, dude, but he was trying to drop the business for these to make this extra money. So it's like, you know, game ties are easy license, like they're easy money, but take buy the license, make like a little hackneyed game. Bonus if the game is actually good and uh-huh, it sells. Uh-huh. I feel like they, they still do that for like Disney movies but and that's things the like thing, that, right? Though. Yeah, but that's the thing. Or the they, Marvel stuff. They still do that stuff, <clears throat> but the tie-in at like the timing of the tie-in isn't as important anymore. It's mostly just the characters. Yeah. So, like for example, um, the Avengers have been doing movies for years now, but we're only just now looking to finally get an Avengers movie universe-based game. Mm-hmm. So they're they're going to try to make use of that popular entity, but it's not so much based on the need of, okay, time to follow this hot trend and get it running. Even though somebody said, you know, well, Endgame just came out recently, but honestly... If Endgame didn't come out this year, I would bet that movie, that game would still be coming up on the way. I'm sure, I'm sure. People can't get enough of the Avengers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All, all I'm saying is I think uh, A Star is Born on Sega Genesis, that's money right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's money. I like Take that. that to the bank. Well, they, the they, money bank. They could, yeah. They might have done the Barbara Streisand version. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That would have been a pretty Chris rad. Ra- Chris Gersofferson version on, on Genesis. That could have happened, you know. That would been pretty pretty rad rhythm game, honestly. It could be like a Toe Jam and Earl and Barbara Streisand. <laughs> I would play that. I don't. Want ne- I wouldn't tell anyone, but I'd play that. All right, for now, we're on to your first track. Okay, of the tracks I selected, I feel like this would be a great follow up to <clears throat> the track you just picked there. So let's go with it. It is from a game fairly recent called Time Spinner, and the track's title is called Mask of Corruption, and the composer is Jeff Bull.
Welcome back. You're listening to Mask of Corruption from the game Time Spinner, composed by musician Jeff Ball. And fun fact, yeah. I owe Rob five dollars because I did pick this track on a previous episode, and his brain remembered this factoid. And I'm like, nah. I don't. Remember, I didn't. I couldn't remember Time Spinner, but I I did. I this that. I think it was the bass. The bass caught me. The boom, da boom, da boom, da boom, da boom, da boom, da boom. Just so good. I'm okay with this. Will this will be. Literally the first time. Well, it's happened, but it was cut with advance. Yeah, I usually cut and edit. But yeah. wow, you guys have this system implemented where you, if someone plays a repeat track, they owe the other person money, huh? <laughs> oh no, 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 not that far. I was just like he, like just now, he kind of like looked over, like a whispers, like I think you picked this track. Yeah, I, I said, was like, this sounds super familiar. And I said, I think we played this before. And Pernell said, I bet you five dollars. I never played this. <laughs> I never played this before. Uh, I checked. <laughs> and I was like, no, I yeah, can't. So, it's a time space spinner. <laughs> oh, it's a, uh, I probably asked this before, but I, I, I remember the track, but not the game. Time spinner. What is what is a time spinner? So the idea behind time spinner is it is a group of people who have command over time, in a sense. They can throw themselves forward and back in time. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea is that there's also a tyrannical kingdom, because there's always a tyrannical kingdom, who is after their clan to pretty much take them out and steal their technology. Steal their time-traveling tech. Steal their time-traveling tech. So the idea is that they have this weird ritual where every certain number of years, a time-spinner from the present throws themselves forward to the future to warn like the new, the further-ahead colony of details they need to know mm-hmm. to act going forward. It's a really bizarre concept, but I well, like how, it. How does it play? Is this like a, a point-and-click? No, oh no, it's like it was designed via Kickstarter a couple years ago, though it only recently came out, to be a follow-up to like the Metroidvania style of games. Most intended to be as close to being like Symphony of the Night as possible in oh, style. Okay, okay. So um what was that one I got into that was um that was like that. Like a Metroid- yeah, weren't you playing Dead Cells? Oh no no, Axiom Verge. Axiom Verge, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was very much a um a Metroidvania uh, type game. Yeah, but this that game, was all made by one guy too. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's, that was really impressive. Um, the music on that was, was super cool. Mm-hmm. It was real dark and, and like chiptuny, which was neat. I was I was gonna play Action Verge, but I just I played Hollow Knight and I spent you know eighty hours on it or something. And then after that, I kind of just thought, oh, it's gonna be a while till I play another Metroidvania again. You know? mm. I got burnt out. You know, I Brent got burnt. Oh, on the, uh, <laughs> on the Metroidvania. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't tried Hollow Knight yet, so I've been sort of itching for another side scrolly game. Hollow Knight is a quality. That's one of the upper echelon Metroidvania titles to be released in the last yeah. few years. Honestly, uh, listener uh, Chris Murray right was really into that, and mm-hmm. or, and, uh, and and Cameron Cameron Warner. both of them were yeah, yeah. Like honestly, it's kind of interesting that we're in this current period now where we're finally getting a new Igavania game being um, Bloodstained. They finally hit market the market. And people were gushing over it. Mm-hmm. But it makes you think, in a way, like, now that this game is out there, does it in any way feel as though these other games were just buying time, quote-unquote, until oh. this new Igavania game oh. came out? Or do they themselves, have they done enough to say, look, yeah, the man, the, the originator is back, mm-hmm. but a lot of these games have eclipsed <laughs> what you could do, and it's glorious. Uh, so are you saying that, you know, when something that you love... Um, decides to go away for maybe about a year, and then other talented people come up and they want to do their own thing. Are they just buying time until they can have the thing that they miss come onto their show? That was not... <laughs> that's a creepy parallel. No. Um, it's just that thought, though, because like it's interesting in the sense that my take on it 
is that mm-hmm. Bloodstained still it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic game. And it was worth the wait. But it's interesting that due to the fact that people were so interested in wanting more of that game mm-hmm. and the guy behind the mask wasn't putting out the stuff all these other game companies like no we can make a metroidvania game we can make a metroidvania well, that, game. Ma- that makes me think of a question for rob since i know that rob is into street fighter like there's been a lot of cool um indie titles like in the in the fighting game space that have tried to distill like what they love about street fighter or what they love about some of these anime fighters um, I think of like Dive Kick or um, what's the one? Oh, uh, Skull, Skull Girls. Skull Girls. Have you have you tried any of these, Rob? No, no, no. I don't know. I don't know too much about mm-hmm. uh, the indie game scene. But um, yeah, you send me send me send me a uh, email me, man. Yeah, <laughs> definitely about Skull Girls. Because if you never play Skull Girls and you're a fighting game fan, yeah, hey, you guys have stuff to talk it, about. It's there. it's tough for especially for like people who are into fighting games. They get you get involved in one game and you get really focused on it. To like to to want to open your brain to other other titles but there's there's some really cool stuff out there that's uh they, they, they do some really interesting things with game mechanics like block parrying and i'll tell you and what, dashing what, what and stuff you play it on um, skull girls uh, you play it yeah a lot of these are on like the new york playstation or you play them oh, on the okay. pc stuff like that yeah but i think i think at least the original version before they did like second encore could even be played on the ps3 yeah uh ps3 Mm-hmm. And I know um, a lot of people are really into Smash Brothers. There's been like remakes or like versions uh, of Project M or yeah, Project M. Project that, M. That's yeah. the fan variant to it. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say about fighting games and just that fighting game spirit that always amazed me is that it's one thing to say I play a bunch of puzzle games and I go from game to game and I'm able to discern how to do the best, how I how to play my best and win at each of these games. But I feel like it's another level when you look at fighting games mm-hmm. and people who are really skilled at multiple fighting games and yeah. can go from one to another <laughs> in a tournament setting, know their character, know all the matchups right. and the move inputs to get what they need done done properly. Yeah, it's it's you gotta be an athlete. Like a like <laughs> it's a special kind of athlete to, to be to be like good at, at multiple multiple fighting games like that. Yeah, I'm the guy who's like, who are you use? I use that person with the roller blade, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> the best thing about playing like all the Street Fighter games is it can be like, I play Guile. I can play Guile through every game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or you look for someone who plays like Guile mm-hmm. in other games, right? Yeah, like um, they call me charge characters. Yeah, or? charge characters. Yeah, I, I, I like to play grapplers though. The, the slow, the slow fighty men. So we should ask these guys. Like, what would you say? I think Rob already hit. You know, Rob's with his. Yeah. Rob with Rob's. Uh, but uh, what would you say are your guys like either preferred or like standout game genres of play? Like if we were to say, uh, oh uh, man, what does Brent? What does Brent get down with? We we're going to say, oh Brent, he's a puzzle guy. Yeah, he or, does puzzle games. Rob's. I know Rob's an RPG guy, right? Oh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, my 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 main my perfect genre is just. Um, side-scrolling kind of just platformers you know like platform side-scrolling platformers that's my that's just classic you know i like that the most out of yeah. anything yeah. Oh, yeah. i have a hard time with 3d games um they actually oh yeah can't the, do 3D. the first person uh, um uh, the witness i i couldn't get through a lot of the way because of the of the perspective and i got really badly well, motion sick i don't really like 3d worlds or and stuff but the actual gameplay was really more mm-hmm. you know was 2d really when you played the puzzles the puzzles were just all 2d yeah but um yeah i don't i don't do 3d platformers but yeah just the 2d platformers that's my favorite kind of game yeah. have, have you guys seen sonic I think it's called Sonic Spin Dash on the phone. Oh, 
I've heard of it. I, I want to say that it's it's sort of like one of those. Not I want to say mobile. I want to say mobile. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> but it's like one of those auto runners or something, right? Where auto runner. Exactly. Exactly. It's oh, terrible. auto runner. I hate it. And they ruin <laughs> it. another slap in the face of Sonic. Um, they did do a puzzle fighter for the phone that's not out anymore, but it was it was very faithful to the original. The problem was it was very faithful at a cost. Yes. <laughs> they were going for those wallets. They were. They were going for anything that's competitive on the phone. They can they can really go after some money. But now, wait, real quick. I want to I want to hop those. I've got a question about it. So you mentioned that the Sonic Spin Dash game was meh. Did you play Super Mario Run? I didn't even know that existed. Oh, crap. Yeah. Fun fact, there's a game called Super Mario Run. That was like the first like Nintendo like, it was like, a, I, like phone game. Right? Yeah, it yeah. was their first game, and it floored people that they were even going to go to the mobile market, and it was an, an auto-running Mario game. And I was curious about your thoughts on it, because you didn't like the Sonic game, because I heard a lot of people that are into like mobile games. Mm. I am not, as Rob can attest. Well, they're making a Commander Keen mobile game. And that game got <laughs> jeers on top of jeers. Because, you know, you know, the fan base for that is, is huge. But um, So we talked about um, side-scrolling games and, and Metroidvania games. And one of my favorites of the past couple of years, well, at least with the, my favorite soundtracks, is a game called 20XX or 20XDX. Ooh. And this came out on the PC. It was released, I think, on Switch and on the PlayStation 4. And it is a... It plays like Mega Man X, except that it is also a roguelike Mm-hmm. where all of the stages are randomized and all of the bosses are randomized. But the music is... It's fire. Because the artist's name is City Fire. Also because it plays on a fire-themed stage? And No, this one's actually... the. the, the I should have done that. This is an ice stage. <laughs> <laughs> fire and ice. Fire and ice. That's, a good, go. puzzle, that's a good puzzle game right there. It is. Uh, this is um, it's, uh, his name is Brandon Ellis, also known as City Fires. This track is called Permafrost from the Frost Store Data Center from the game 20XDX.
This is Frostor Data Center Permafrost from the game 20XDX, composed by City Fires. His real name is Brandon Ellis. I probably could have said that a lot better. <laughs> right? Well, due to the power of editing, you can <laughs> later. Uh, it's composed by Mr. Black. <laughs> Are you guys childhood friends? Um, uh... Oddly enough, no, but it feels like it. <laughs> we were, uh, was it 20? No, not 20. They were like 22. No, no. Go back. You were <laughs> more accurate. So, fun fact. Originally, the way I met Rob was because I used to work at the KB Toy Store yeah, we worked at, at our same, local mall. Yeah, we worked at the same mall. And he worked at an electronics boutique store. So, on my lunch breaks, I was about 20 years old or so. I would go from the store his store and then harass them by bugging about when new games came out. Come on, man. Take that game out the case and put it in the demo machine. I want to try it. And yeah. I was just that annoying guy who would just constantly pop in and bug everybody. Yeah, but you wanted to play all like all the crazy stuff that we could never sell. So <laughs> Yeah, like I remember I remember I think you were working at the time where one day around the Christmas season, I showed up at the oh you might have just left, but I came to the store with guitar freaks <laughs> and an import PlayStation 1 and hooked it up on the store TV, mm-hmm. and it was just sitting there jamming out. People were like, what the heck is this game? I was like, is that a guitar? Is that yeah. a simulator? So he used to come into the shop, and then um, I learned that there was a Dance Dance Revolution machine at the at the movie theater where I used to work down down the road, and I was like, hey. We're you, you're skipping details. Uh, I, that's, no, the detail is. Slow down. And then so Rob quit. <laughs> Rob quit working at the store. Oh, I came back. No, no, you quit working at the store. I don't remember. Well. See, I remember all this because it was a it was a big deal. So Rob quit working at the store. It wasn't a, an announced thing. He just left and got another job. So he just wasn't there anymore. But we were friends. Just we didn't talk anymore because he wasn't at the store where we would communicate. So one day, I was having a pretty off day, you know, at home. Like I had nothing to do. Bored as the dickens. And I was like, I'm gonna go run some errands at the mall. Do you want to go? I'm like, I don't really feel like it. And this was like a like a good year or so, a little right? over yeah, a, yeah. a little over a year later, mm. and. uh I was like, fine, I'll go. Let's just go or whatever. And as I'm going out to the mall entrance, Rob and his friend are coming out of the mall. Oh, that's right. And I was like, aren't you that guy who used to work at Electronics Boutique? And he's like, hey, yeah, I remember you. We started talking. He's like, I was like, so we started catching up. He's like, where are you off to? And Rob goes, I just learned there's a DDR machine <laughs> down like in the shop is here down the road. And I was like, I'm going with them. Can I go with them? So I just bolted it. We just went and played DDR. We've been friends ever since. Yeah, I made two best friends that day. Uh, Purnell and Dance Dance Revolution. Nice. Well, all right. So it is. That's kind of a can of worms there. But no, it's a... It was a fun can of worms. Yeah, it was a fun can of worms. Yeah, but no, we... You you guys have talked about this uh, uh, on your show before? Maybe once or twice. It's hard to remember um, ways back. Yeah. So some people have asked... um, but, but it's possible that you've never talked about this on your show before, and therefore this is an ex- this is a rhythm and pixels exclusive. <laughs> this is true. I mean, it's, I'm almost positive we've talked about it with other people, like not on air, but just right. like just discussion. But this may be the first time we said it right. on the show. That wasn't the first time I've played Dance Dance Revolution, but it was the start of me playing every week since then. So I don't know. Was it? It was definitely my first time playing on like a machine. Eighteen years ago. So yeah. That was at the time. It was a game that was talked about, mm. and I only ever saw the home ports at like anime cons, but never yeah. seen an actual machine. Yeah, we used to get together, and we, um, we were really into rhythm games like Beat Mania and Guitar mm-hmm. Freaks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I was more into I'm more into the ones you play with your feet, but um, we played everything. We still do. I mean, so 
Um, you know, uh, just at a convention this weekend playing U beat and popping music. Yeah, popping music and things like that. Um, cool. Yeah, we we've been doing that a long. We're doing that a long time for now. <laughs> going on going on twenty decades. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really. Yeah, you're at my wedding. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. But no video game music at the wedding though. Um, Best man. Nah, he had a brother that took that spot, but I was going to fight him for it. Yeah, if he wasn't, if he if he had moved, <laughs> I was like, dude. On one hand, I was like, come on, man, I'm best man. The other part of me was like, you got to do the bachelor party and all that. That's on you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to pay all that money. <laughs> yeah, he them. All they, all, all they did was like go to Dave and Buster's and, <laughs> and play video games. That, there you go. See, that's how. Yeah, that that day, that bachelor party was so laid back. Like yeah. I was expecting to have to go through all the usual rigmarole that bachelor parties do. And I'm like, eh, it's yeah. for my friend. Let's just have a ball. And he's like, no, let's get a limo and go to the corner of Steak and Steak in Philly, which, if you're not familiar with it, Philly, as you know, is known for cheesesteak. It's one of the things it's known for. And there are two notor- notorious cheesesteak vendors who work have businesses across the street from each other. They typically run to like 5 in the morning, and they're always packed. Every day of the week, no matter which season, mm-hmm. it's crowded. We drive a limo up there, nowhere to park, <laughs> get out in suits and ties yeah. to go up to get the nastiest cheesesteaks you can imagine. <laughs> Try not to get them on our suits, and then we went to Dave and Buster's and played video games yeah. and drank. That was a good night. It really was, from what I remember. <laughs> yeah, because you got liquored up. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty pretty wild. Um, all right, yeah, all right. So, um, Brent, um, what's your what's your next track then? All right. Well, next up, uh, we're going to hear from a game called Cave Story. Uh, which originally came out for the computer on um, 2000 in 2004, and uh, this is a game that was designed by uh, a man named Daisuke Amaya, mm-hmm. who also goes by the um, alias um, Pixel. And no. um, <laughs> the what? I was like, oh, Pixel, great day. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right, right. And um, so. This game was a game he started uh, working on in college in 1999, and then uh, you know he kind of worked on it in his free time and finished it in 2004. And um, it's it's interesting because it you know it harkens back to to you know older style games, Mm -hmm. which that's pretty popular now. But this is 2004 that this game came out, kind of well before kind of retro sort of side scroller kind of games were popular again so it was kind of you know i guess ahead of its time in a way you know um mm-hmm. but uh we're gonna hear sort of the main theme which is um you know called cave story um and uh yeah this is a really cool game if no one's ever played it um it's, it's this is a great little game made by one guy and he did all the music and stuff as well so yeah, yeah we are fans so let's hear the main theme
I like that. <laughs> you guys see. Yeah, yeah, that's good. This is the main theme from Cave Story, titled Cave Story, composed by Daisuke Amaya, aka Pixel. Nice song. Um, yeah, I, I like the end of that. I never listened to the I never listened to the main theme all the way through, to be honest. Um, it's like, well, you, like a counter melody you get, type thing, or I think you get to hear yeah. it. Well, there's a certain area of the game, um, kind of later in the game, mm -hmm. uh, where you do get to hear the full track, really. You know, because oh, okay. generally people don't hear it as the title theme, but they that they, they, they it's used later on in the game, and then you can hear the whole. Thing. Oh, okay. I never, I never finished it. I, I, I got <laughs> stuck on one of the bosses. I was playing the remake that was on Steam, and they redid some of the graphics. Uh huh. Oh yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah, which is really cool. And I think they did the music, but you could like switch back between the uh, the original music and then the, right. uh, the arranged. I'm just enjoying the fact that this this Pernell Brent connection thing <laughs> continues to flourish because <laughs> Cave Story, when it came out, it hit notes that at the time games weren't hitting for me. Like yeah. I played it ad nauseum, and when I learned it was that second bonus boss or the real boss and all that. I went oh, back yeah. and played through it again, which again is something that I typically didn't do. I didn't usually play games through more than once, but I was obsessed with Cave Story. Mm -hmm. The music is still on point, yeah. and I still am one of those people. Like if a character is a guest in another game, I usually will try to jump on just to actually interact with those characters. Like Cave Story is a gem of a title. Yeah, there's um there's a new game or newer game called A Thousand and One Spikes. That's like a super hard um, platforming, almost like almost like a puzzle game. Um, but you can choose some of the cave story um, characters to playable within it. Which yeah, you can unlock Curly Brace, and she gets the uh, jetpack that you can get in the game with the booster pack. Yeah, yeah. She comes Wait, with. Wait, is that. this a is this another pixel game? Yeah. Yes. Oh no, it's not. Oh pixel. no, 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 not pixel the character. No, <laughs> it's uh, it's like pixel. No, I mean, yeah. Pixel the designer. The designer, I mean, that's why I mean. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's not a pixel the designer game. It is a game by um, Nicholas. Nicholas did it. It's, which is convenient because I guess that's the company that took on the Cave Story license to release oh, the game. Oh, okay. Oh, they took the license to, to, to do the re-releases and stuff? Yeah. Okay. So they use his characters in other games as well, and 1001 Spikes is one such game. So it's graphically similar, mm -hmm. um, but the idea is that it's a bunch of short levels that are ridiculously booby trap laden mm. and the goal is to find a key hidden on the stage and then find your way to the door that uses the key and get out of the level. <laughs> and it's simple yet brutal. Yeah, it's fun watching you play. Way. It's fun watching you play because it looks stressful to me. But uh, these um uh, the, these 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 games that are created by one designer, like where it's from programming to to the level design, um, right up to the music, is always really. Um, fascinating to me because it, it's I've seen it before with um, if you ever if you ever played or heard of the Toho series of, of games that are like um, they're computer game they're shooter games that started on the PC 98 and um, oh. but now they're on the PC but it was all made by one guy named Zune who in college wanted to play um, a, like a bullet hell shooter game but with the style of music that he loved um, and they, they weren't being released so he just has said, you know, I'm gonna quit everything and just make these games for myself, and uh, and they're wildly popular. It's it's, I mean, it has this insane like internet like subculture following. But um, I'm trying to think of another one that was all well, Undertale. 
Undertale, Undertale, you know? Undertale, right, yeah. That's a good choice. Which, you know, just... Toby Fox. I mean, you know, mainly right. one guy. Toby Fox did the music. The music's amazing, oh, the music too. music is yes, incredible is. on that. Yeah, absolutely. Also, <laughs> if you're a fan of Toby Fox's music, you may not have played the game itself, but there's a game that came out earlier this year called, like, Y2K, but it's spelled Y-I-I-K. Um, Toby Fox did a battle theme in that game. That's very good. And oh, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. Oh, really? You definitely might want to check that one out. I think you'd enjoy, you think you guys would enjoy it. Yeah, there's um, there's all the 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 number of games coming out in the indie space is especially right right now it's incredible. Um, I think right. the, the the wide availability of the tools and the and the people interested in making games now. It's kind of scary yeah, in a way too, though. At least for me, because maybe scary. it's I'm getting, well, it's because maybe it's just me getting old and doubly influenced or enforced by the fact that if I go on like you know, Facebook thread about games, I still see the same you know knuckleheads saying racky stuff, but uh. I find myself more appreciative and interested in all these like you know indie games that don't go nuts with system resource usage or whatnot and just go for tight gameplay in a way that I find myself ignoring a lot of the like you know more AAA studio productions. Mm-hmm. Like I'm interested in like one of the games that people are asking me like what are you most looking forward to? Like after E3, I'm like I'm still looking forward to moving out, which sounds like a double entendre. But no, like <laughs> moving out being a that it's like an indie game where you're just moving furniture. Oh, that's right. It's like a puzzle game, but you're moving furniture into like trucks into like other apartments. Yeah, it is always <laughs> through like weird environments. Like you're walking through, a, you're carrying a couch across a volcanic lava like flow. Yeah, anytime we've had to move like furniture, I always think of Tetris trying to fit like the furniture just right into trucks. So like that's like the perfect like. Uh, There's what's that called? So- Sobokan or something oh, like this? Oh yeah, uh, 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 so- Sokoban. Like, Sokoban. Sokoban. Yeah, that's like kind of like a. It's become like a genre almost of mm-hmm. uh, puzzle games and moving boxes around. And Baba is you kind of. Yeah. does that a little bit yeah, too, I, didn't, I didn't think of that connection between Baba Zio and Sokoban yeah Sokoban it was like oh, what was the name it was a Game Boy game that I had that was Sokoban it Boxel was Boxel or it was like Chips Ch- Chips Challenge that wasn't that wasn't on the Game Boy but that was like an old PC or Amiga thing the yeah, Chips Challenge yeah it was on Lynx too I was on the Lynx <laughs> well I, I played it on Lynx oh, when wow. it was on Lynx yeah. um, but uh, the um, what have you heard of that game Micro Mages that came out recently no no uh, it's um, a new Nintendo game. It's uh, there's you can get it for Nintendo on on a cartridge, um, but it's uh, I think the music might be pretty good I, from what I've heard, and um, it's uh, it's really cool. They uh, the person who made it did you know I think it was just one guy mm. and uh, really used the limitations of the Nintendo. I mean I think he made the game. It was like I don't know how big the, the maximum is, but it was a 40k game or, or whatever 40k oh, beat, oh, so better. Yeah, it's like a special or, or, or eighty KB. I'm not sure whatever the limit is, but he worked within the limits and everything. And wow. um, I know it looks like a pretty cool game. Micro Mages, cool. another one of these indie self-made games. Yeah. Would you? What would you say is your preferred? Not preferred, but your favorite indie game? Like indie game that just just and all of this it just encompasses what you like about indie games and why you like tend to pursue them or find interest in them i don't know i mean it's hard to say i mean god it's like you know that game inside that came out a few oh, years ago yeah, that was mm-hmm. good that was just a work of art you know i mean just it's so good i mean i guess the indie games are really good because they um they just they play towards to my older sensibility like my tastes were which are like older sensibility uh you know kind of preference you know 
uh, it seems like they just incorporate the values of older games uh, mm-hmm. more than uh, new games. I mean, I just I, new games, I just can't even well, like new games with new aesthetics. I just can't even wrap my head around. I just don't. It's too complicated for me. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I like more simple stuff, I guess. I, yeah. I tried playing one of those, um, one of those battle royale games, Apex Legends, mm-hmm. and I couldn't figure out a whole lot of what was going on. But it was like hide and seek for a while, and that was kind of cool, but also a little boring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Everyone's out there shooting each other, and I'm just kind of hiding. Um, yeah, but I'm not. But- I just yeah those those I don't know yeah I mean there's a lot it's hard to pick a favor of independent games you know I, would I mean it's more like by year I can go by year more you know oh yeah for sure though last I'd be year, terrible at by year last year was like the messenger was the I think the best yeah. game in the last year but which I only experienced for the first time what two months ago yeah um, that's right yeah became our game of the month on our our rhythm and, our rhythm and pixels game chat group because a lot of listeners and Rob too were like this game is on point per night you should play it I'm like. Just, I if, can't I, if, find I'm draw. Game, if I'm playing a new game, you gotta you gotta try it. Yeah, and I jumped on it, and I I was enamored with it too. Mm. I will say, if I had to pinpoint a game like that for all the indie games I love, I think Crypt of the Necro Dancer at my present state of mind mm. would be the one. Uh, and the reason why is because one thing I like about indie games, aside from what you already said about the maintaining, you know, placing more of an emphasis on classic aesthetics and details. Yeah. Um, is the fact that indie games typically are more willing to think outside the box to come up with an attempt, a unique experience. Right, right. Instead of ticking a bunch of boxes because they know it'll sell. I feel like they don't have like like a, like a, a huge group of investors like sitting behind them saying, you know, we right. need to make back this amount of cash. It's, it's usually a smaller group that's trying to, you know, make something more artful or artistic or, or just, just something fun. that's just fun, right? Yeah, something that they would want to play. Um yeah, but the plus game, you like yeah. rhythm games too, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's probably another factor for you. Um, so we're on to Rob's uh, second pick. Uh, so uh, Rob F. Switch, what's your next okay. track? Okay, okay. Well, it is Sunday, so I think uh, <laughs> pay some respects here, <laughs> and let's go with Saint Dragon. Oh, patron saint of. Burning down villages. <laughs> Burning down the house. It's an arcade, arcade game. So here is the music from Area Two.
Area 2 from the game Saint Dragon for the arcade, composed by Sizzla. Also, his uh, true name is Sizzla Okamura and Tekchan, or Tekchan K. Well, now I'm very hungry. Um, who we don't have a name for, so maybe been um, a programmer or like an audio designer on the game. But um, Sizzla Okamura, which is an interesting name. Probably one of the best composer names I've ever heard. Also goes by C C Zilla. I think he might be in the Wu Tang Clan. C Zilla. <laughs> 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 no, but also did also did work on Viewpoint. So that this that really tracks. This has a very view, oh, yeah. Viewpoint kind of feel yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, we. In fact, Rob, you played Viewpoint a couple times on Legacy Music Hour, and yes, you know that yes. we've had we've heard this composer before with that. That's right. And then also. Uh, also, Ar- Arquista's Ring was another game that he that we was on Legacy Music Hour that you played that mm. he worked on as well. And there was also uh, Jason Pachi Slot Hisoho Two. It's a, you wait, know, hey, wait, his name it's is Pachi Slot. Well, that was, that's a it's a pachinko game. I think. Oh, it's the uh, name of a game. <laughs> and and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, but he did the. Uh, well, when we did this one episode, this one episode we did like a uh, music that was like adapted from previous music, and there was this Claude Debussy piece that um, he uh, that arranged oh. for this game. Yeah, I have to go back that. and listen to that. That's good. Man, that was episode one hundred and sixty for Legacy Music. Right, anyway, all right. So, Rob, Sizz- Rob, I kn- says <laughs> Rob bringing the sizzle. I know, I know you. Um, uh, you DJ at uh, an arcade nearby is this is yes this, will this fit in one of your sets i i think i could squeeze this one in there absolutely and by uh, the way the thing- i'm very envious of that too you're talking about ground control aren't you ground control in portland oregon so jealous do you want to be there i want to go there so badly <laughs> the arcade is it's pretty awesome it's huge and the vibe is fantastic the staff is they're so nice and mm. then the people that come there they they come to game and it's they've got so many different machines, and once a month I get to play my my uh, my sets, and I try to keep it varied. And as a result, over the last couple of years that I've been doing this, I've just amassed these playlists, all kinds of different playlists, because I always like to try different things. Mm. And it's fun. It's just so much fun playing different things and having people either come up to me and say, "Hey, what is that?" Mm. Or they'll hold up their phone and try to find it on their phone. <laughs> you know, they'll hold up the phone yeah. to the speaker. Wait, yeah. can Shazam actually... I've never gotten Shazam to properly pick up a VGM, too. Do, do you think Shazam could pick up a Yuzo Koshiro? Probably, right? Maybe. Maybe, maybe the more um, well-known tracks and composers... Yeah, well-known stuff. What are some like uh, tracks or games that, that go down, down real good? Well, I'll tell you right now, this... Whenever I put on some Alberta Jose Gonzalez, mm. that's a straight up banger alert right there. Right. Because <laughs> man, Gonzalez. people love it. People love it. Love them some Smurfs. <laughs> yeah, that, love those Smurfs. Yeah, that music hits. It just hits, and it sounds really good on the the stereo system. The other thing is, I have to adjust the track sometimes. Yeah. Brent, you you had an issue with that too. Remember? Yeah, a little bit. When you were DJing, for some reason, mm-hmm. some of the tracks that I have, they don't sound the same way they would if you put on headphones on your computer. Yeah. So when it comes out through the, the stereo system, maybe one channel is really loud or there's mm-hmm. just bass 
or or it just doesn't sound right so i've had to adjust yeah a lot of systems are, are designed for like you know, dance music or for like they're like they're attenuated for specific frequencies and then when you play um like music composed on like sound chips you know those frequencies are really specific like on the nes and on, on the, especially on the sega genesis like those deep bass sounds they could probably they probably overwhelm a lot of the rest of the track i'd imagine Oh yeah, yeah. And then th- there are times when it's it's a it's a it's a gamer bar, but there's a lot of couples that come out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just you can see a, a guy or a girl just kind of dancing, get real close to each other. Yeah, yeah. And they're just grooving to it. To the Smurfs. <laughs> I forget which forget which tracks. I think I talked to you about it, Brent, once. Yeah. But oh. This couple. I forget what track it was, but when I watched that, I said, yeah, that's because of me right there. (laughs) They're falling in love. You're welcome. (laughs) I love it. The music's too good. Oh, man. It's like um, Cupid's Triangle Wave. You're you're bringing the people together. Or the Cupid's Square Wave. (laughs) The Cupid's Square Wave. (laughs) Hey, Rob, uh, I like your track just now. Oh, that that was a jam, right? Yeah. Just want to tell oh. you that. Oh, all right. Sounds like Cupid's Square Wave hit another yeah. person. <laughs> yeah, and you just you just did that just now, Rob. Well, Brent, Brent and I, our tastes are so varied, but I think that's why we're just perfectly paired. You know, mm-hmm. the the peanut butter and the chocolate, right? Or what is it? Peanut butter and the tuna? The nuts and the tuna? Oh yeah, peanut butter and tuna. Yeah, peanut I'm butter peanut- and tuna music hour coming soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I like the um that organ, that organ sound in it. It, it. it sounds like it's out. It sounds like it's from a like from a golf game, but then like oh, like yeah. pe- like Pebble Beach, and then like thrown into a, a shooter. I'm imagining this as a shooter. It's got that kind of sound to it. Oh, I think this is the part where uh, that's a game. That's a game that can happen. <laughs> Magic. The dragon, the dragon is burning the village, and all the villagers are being burned alive. Mm. And Ooh, this this is the music. This is the music that plays. That's much more grim. <laughs> It's way more grim. I'm like picturing a game now where like they're off. There's like an 18 hole golf course, but at the same time, there's also an intergalactic war going on. So as the golfers are playing through the course, it is your gunner's job Mm. to actually defend the golfer while he is lining up his shot to swing. So monsters are trying to attack him. You have soldiers throwing grenades. You have to send the grenades back. You're joking, but there's a there's an old uh, I think it's Atari or another old computer game called Ninja Golf. Have you heard of this? No. You you you're a ninja, obviously, and you, and you hit the ball, and then wherever it lands, it's it, it turns into a side-scrolling kind of like fighting, like beat 'em up types type game to get to the ball. So you have to chase after the ball and yeah, fight all foes. Really, it's, it's real old. Um, all our, I, I think. If you can find the artwork, like the like box artwork for the game, it's probably like a million times better than how it actually looks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ninja Golf, like why not? This needs to, <laughs> apparently this needs to happen again yeah. because that's ingenious to yeah. me. But, oh, yeah, man, good. This is the this is the this is the hits. I love the, the FM FM synthy sound. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, really mm-hmm. good, good stuff. All right, so uh, Pernell, what's your what's your final track? I was torn between two, but again, I, this has been great. Like every time, it's like here's a track. Like, I know what I'm picking after that. And I'm going to go with this one. This is from the game Shadow Dancer, and it's staged 1-1, basically the beginning of the game, composed by Keisuke, Keisuke Sukahara.
Welcome back. You're listening to the first stage theme, stage 1-1 from the game Shadow Dancer by composed by Keisuke, or Kisuke Sukahara. I like how excited you say Shadow Dancer. Well, Sh- it's funny Shadow thing. Dancer. <laughs> well, it implies that this is a really awesome dancer, but he only he dances well when he uses light refraction to really display his moves. Um, but this is actually the third Genesis game I ever played, hmm. followed behind Altered Beast and Mystic Defender. Uh... It's surprising how I don't bring it up much more often, and I think it's because even though this was in I, the this was in the, the Shinobi series, right? Yes, okay, it was called yeah, yeah. Shadow Dancer. I want to say the Revenge of Shinobi, um, but the follow-up game Shinobi Three is oh. the one that generally gets the most talked about. But it's interesting because even though it is the case, this game stands on its own because it plays much differently from Shinobi Three. Mm-hmm. For one, you are well still a platformer, but it's not as aggressive a platformer. It's more meticulous, and you also have a dog canine companion. Yeah, that's right. This, that's this one, right? Is this the one where you, you you're also a surf ninja? No, that's three. Also, that's still Shinobi <laughs> oh, that's three. On three. Okay, that's fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish you could do it with this. Imagine surfing with your dog. Like, rawr, 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 rawr. Yeah, I was gonna say that. that, that like, I remember that scene. That'd be really cool, though. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But what the dog could do in this game is you could sick the dog on. People who are holding characters hostage, mm. he can help. He can hold them off while you up and kill the guy, and then you can save the hostage they're holding. Mm. And that's honestly the game. You're playing through stages, rescuing hostages, and getting to the end of the level, and then fighting the respective bosses yeah. or whatnot. And it's just it's a good game, especially being as early as it was in the Genesis lifetime. Yeah, that's right. This was an earlier title. It's interesting. We were just talking. Maybe it was before we started recording or at the beginning about how. Um, the Genesis in specific hands, like it, it was, it sounded completely different. And this is a great example of that because the sound is like yeah. so, so full. Um, you think of like Rob Hubbard or your um, even like Matt Furness, L. Like, Ron Hubbard, L. Rob Hubbard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's like it just you can tell, it, you almost tell what when it's a specific composer. Mm-hmm. Um, some would argue that it was really the um, like the the, the the programmer doing the, the sound design behind it. Um, but like really like it's just the compositions are, are so more realized right. it's very very cool this is a cool this is a cool song I like, I like how insane it is at the beginning too it almost sounds like like a like boss music you know? it, reminded, yeah. it, it, it reminded me of the track the first track Rob played uh, today you know the uh, the the boss boss music right yeah it's um it's From, always like uh, off key not off key but like minor and then um, a little wild like a different different kind of um time Would you signature. say wild like the streets uh wild wild like um the west like the west it's like the west <laughs> <laughs> Damn, wild, wild wild like the like the girls that have gone oh yes <laughs> one or possibly 42 or, or, or wild, <laughs> wild like the wind wild as the wind <laughs> go wild I wild like the, the call of <laughs> wild, wild like Marty Stauffer's America. <laughs> oh Jesus! How many more can we go? <laughs> oh my God! Wild like the wings from Buffalo. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, wild, wild stallions. <laughs> it works. Yeah. It works. Wild like the stallions. Wild like the stallions. I think wild like oh, the stallions. Is, wild like the, how about wild like the styles? Wild like the styles, yeah, I like, I like that. Wild, that. Wild style. They were a uh, they were an eighties hip hop group, right? Uh, wild styles. Yeah. Well, it was a movie. Oh, okay. I, I remember that. Based on an eighties rap. 
Wild, wild like the wild like the thing that makes my heart sing. Mm. Holy cow! You are you guys are going deep now. I'm still I'm still trying to trust it. There's got to be more, and I'm missing it. But you're finding it. Wild like the berry. That's my Kool Aid flavor. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wild, wild like Oscar. <laughs> like this guy named Oscar right now. <laughs> My brain was like wild like a child, but I don't think that one works uh, too much. It just rhymes. <laughs> There's nothing special about that. All right, um, I'm gonna move on <laughs> to my final track. Um, this is a uh, this is a new find for me. Wild yeah. like a draw four. There. Oh, okay. Settle. That was oh. done. <laughs> Wait, just sorry, just one one last uh, no, thing. Yeah, though. Wild like. Wild like where the things are. Oh, oh that's a good closer for that. Brent's been getting literary on us. <laughs> <laughs> Wild like um, Brent's literary uh, references. Um, I love that. <laughs> and it went on for a good bit. <laughs> that's the best part. All right, so this is this is a, this is a, a, a new game. Well, not a new game, but it's a it's a it's a new find. Um, I didn't. I mean, I, I feel like I've been looking for this game my whole life. Oh, at least the soundtrack. This is called Project S11 for the Game Boy Color, um, and it was it was developed by um, a European group, but then it was um, distributed by um, not Jalico, uh, by Sunsoft. It was distributed by Sunsoft. So the the, the composers on the track are um, demo scene composers. Then they would play, they would write music for like the Amiga and stuff for like hacker groups and things like that. So the composers are Heatbeat. And Purple Motion. And Heatbeat is Alexi Eben. And Purple Motion is Yon Valtonen. And we're going to listen to Mission 4 Burn Jungle. And, and what I love about this is that because of the um, of, of their demo scene background, it has like a really modern chiptune sound to it. Like how people would make like Game Boy music today. It sounds like this on, on the Game Boy. So this is Mission 4 Burn Jungle. Um, Burn, B-E-R-N, like Bernie Sanders, (laughs) for Project S11 for the Game Boy Color. Right 
Mission 4, Burn Jungle from Project S11 for the Game Boy Color, composed by Heatbeat, Alexi Eben, and Purple Motion, Yon Valtonen. This really makes me want to do a Game Boy oh, themed episode. This is so good. So, um, yeah, so it was developed by a group called Paragon 5, um, and then it was distributed into, or yeah, published in North America uh, by Sunsoft for the Game Boy Color in 2001. So, yeah, it, it's it's got a really modern kind of that, that western sound to it where it's um it's very rhythm heavy it's kind of a longer track but man it is I, yeah i love that little fiddler on the roof part in the middle there <laughs> i told you that that part hits man it hits yeah you were you were really feeling this track this was a this was a working for you oh yeah this 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 is worth the price of admission right here <laughs> he's like prior to this i was like oh you know what i want to be on this ship <laughs> <laughs> no 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 this is a jam right here yeah it's 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 always this is like why um like finding 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 music like this really sparks my interest to like to keep keep the show going you know it's like there's always mm-hmm. something new to find that is true. exactly that's so cool that uh, these games uh, game boy color what year what year is this game 2001 2001 it even um what, what are we now 18 years later you're still you're just discovering it mm-hmm. that's the beauty it's the beauty of what we do yeah. gentlemen and it's I, an I interesting thing too because like rob and i come at this from two different perspectives in a sense where like even though it's not a requirement for me i always tell myself i gotta at least experience this game yeah. before i select the track but what ends up happening to me is that like rob will come in with these tracks from games i've never heard of and it'll play on the show, and it'll sound so good that I have to go out and find the game and experience it immediately, mm-hmm. so I can actually be like, okay, now this feels good. I can I can feel good about it because it draws me to want to try the title itself. I don't know much about this game, but I do. What I do know is that it's a, it's an overhead shooter, but you have kind of full de- full full like full control motion over where you go. I think like 1942 as far as like how the movement goes on oh, the oh, screen, oh, or like um time pilot time pilot. Yeah, right. I was just looking at it. Ghost yeah. pilot. Oh wait, time. Oh wait, it's never mind. Time pilot. Yeah. Time pilot. Yeah, and then um, but like, but for the for the Game Boy, for, for at least from what I've read, I still haven't I haven't played it yet. That um, like the the programmers were really clever in how they worked it. Where there's like there's no screen flicker, there's no flickering on the sprites that move around on the screen. So like they've done a really good job. And also, there's a, there's a lot going on with the music. So they fit a whole lot into these cartridges. But I think. I think the Game Boy Color, like some of the cartridges were able to hold more memory or something. Yeah, that was one of the upgrades to the Game Boy Color was that the carts could hold more memory. Okay. So like, and also one trick I noticed while I was checking it out was there was like a, when you got to bosses, they had this interesting graphical trick where the screen would ripple. Oh, interesting. As it was going into a transition to the screen where the boss was exposed mm-hmm. on. So it was a very cool element to something I don't even recall ever seeing occur on a Game Boy Color game before. Yeah, that sounds like something. That, see, that sounds like a demo scene trick. Like, they would have, like, those kind of cool, like, like graphics and stuff, like, ripple on the screen. But, um, but yeah, so 2011, 2001 for the Game Boy Color. Would this, would this track be legal on the music, on the Legacy Music Hour? 
Not on a. It would be not on a regular episode, but uh. a beyond 16-bit episode. I mean, beyond beyond fourth generation, because we consider. Well, I consider. I mean, we consider. Uh, you know, Game Boy Color to be fifth generation. Hmm. Uh, you 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 bring that track onto the Legacy Music Hour. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna need to see the license and registration, please. <laughs> back away from the microphone slowly, please. Actually, back I, away. I love. It's like, sir. Sir, put down, put down that bass. Don't drop that bass. <laughs> put down the Game Boy and don't drop that bass. Now, this does lead me to an, inqu- an interesting inquiry. So when Rob first had the idea for this show, we were talking details about it. Mm-hmm. And originally, Rob wanted to do a similar style, being keeping the music very retro. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to do all retro yeah, because I've like got right ideas or something. Yeah, so there, early on, I was doing more retro music, and then you were bringing more modern music, which was really cool for games like the Ease series mm-hmm. and um, uh, yeah, and for Contra. But um, yeah, as the longer we've done this, the more I've come to know more about and appreciate more um, of the modern game music. Especially, uh, it helps now that like a lot of these sounds are popular again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes me wonder. Given, like, because that's how that's going with us. Like, would you guys say that in the process of sticking with third, no later than third or fourth gen, that you've ever found yourself working an episode and feeling like you were at, having difficulty choosing tracks for that particular episode? Because there's a ton of games out there, yes. But it if- virtually is endless, I feel. You know, I mean, you, you can stay within the third and fourth generation and never run out, I feel. I mean, I wouldn't be able to. I would not be able to run out in my lifetime if we continue to do the podcast. Well, especially we only do it once a month anyway. But um, you know, for the amount of tracks we pick now for each episode, and we did it for the rest of my life, I would not run out of tracks. There's just it's virtually infinite. Oh yeah, yeah. I. It's just the bottomless. Uh, it's the bottomless mimosa of the music world. <laughs> it's the endless ocean. Take my trip to Red Robin. Order myself an endless stream. <laughs> yeah. I like stream when you think of endless gym. food, you immediately go to Red Robin and go, endless fries. Because it's genius. <laughs> Red Robin. I tell the Robin about this all the time in the sense that when we were teenagers, I would have killed for a place like Red Robin. You walk in and you say, I want bottomless fries and drinks. You play a flat cost and you know how they can't kick you out. You would go off to restaurants with your friends as a teenager and likely order fries and drinks repeatedly. Right. And rack up a debt. Meanwhile, I'm like, well, I even go home. I'll just stare until they close. We'll just play Game Boy together, and yeah. they'll hate us, but it'll be great. Uh, hooligan. That's right. <laughs> I am quite the varmint. All right. Well, I'm going to turn this final track down, and we're going to get into the part of the show that we call the bonus round. Bonus. Bonus round. Bonus round theme song. The bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes and arrangements um, on the theme of our show and we share with friends so um, we asked um, Brent and Rob to kind of come out of their third and fourth generation element and um, find some arrangements or some remixes that they've been feeling um, things maybe they, they, they've been listening to for a while and they've enjoyed and and share it with the rest of us well here's this this is a track that you will never hear on the legacy music hour so I'm, I'm happy to share it here because it's it's from a it's from a later generation uh, game, and it's also a cover. And so 
we only did one cover episode, but it was all covers of, you know, third and fourth generation stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is um, from Final Fantasy X, or it's an arrangement of music from Final Fantasy X, um, in particular a piece called Thunder Plains. And um, the composer and arranger is Masashi Hamauzu, and this is just for piano, arranged uh, for piano, mm-hmm. solo piano. The performer is Aki uh, Kuroda. And um, and again, yeah, Masashi Hamauzu uh, mm-hmm. did most of the game to Final Fantasy X. Um, I think Nobuo Imatsu might have done some tracks, but anyway, this is one of his. Yeah. And he's very influenced by... Uh, I feel like um, Rishi Sakamoto and Claude Debussy. Mm. Claude, this is the second time Claude Debussy is <laughs> mentioned on uh, the episode. Um, but uh, yeah, you really hear this uh, uh, Debussy kind of sound. It's, it's you know has this impressionism kind of sound to it. But um, I, I love this piece of music, and it's I, I especially really love the end of it. Actually, so uh, the end of it sort of really starts to get. Uh, some really cool stuff going on. So anyway, this is um, Thunder Plains from Final Fantasy X, uh, composed and arranged uh, for piano uh, by Masashi Hamauzu, performed by Aki Kuroda.
is the Thunder Plains from Final Fantasy X, arranged by Masashi Hamatsu, Hamausu and performed by Aki Kuroda. So that, that was and, a and, great and, one. And, composed, and originally is it composed yeah. by Masashi Hamatsu. Oh, that's Hamasu. right. Yeah, oh. and composed. Um, that was fantastic. Uh, the yeah, I just I love that. The ending is so nice with his with it really. Uh, this is the arpeggios at the end are so nice and uh, uh, well, the whole thing just sound, I mean, it's just true, just straight up, just sounds like classical music. You know, question is, just music. I could see the uh, the WC um, connection there. Yeah, I just it just it's so. So there, it's so there. <laughs> the um, or Ravel too, maybe. Yeah. Um, have you um, have you explored um, Final Fantasy X Part Two, uh, the sequel to this game, at all? No. The um, this the soundtrack is it's similar to Ten, but it's 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 very jazzy. It's got like this cool. It's almost like a cool like a, it makes me think of you because part of it feels like elevator jazz, like kind of cool oh, elevator yeah. jazz, but like in this kind of style mm. because it's all it all takes place in the same world. Um, so oh. if, if, if not playing the game, check out the music. The music is yeah. it's really, really cool. Really cool. Oh. oh yeah. 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 All right. So, um, oh. so Rob, we're on to you and your, your bonus pick, which I think is going to be on the completely different side of things. I played final fantasy once I tried to like this game in the series or 10 in the series. Okay. And, uh, I only fantasized about being able to punch and kick. <laughs> so you, that's, oh, so you played Dissidia. <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah. So that's what I was fantasizing about, and that is a perfect segue. Hmm. <laughs> Absolutely perfect, yes. The final track right here from the Mad Gear Band. Yes. The Mad Gear Band. They're doing a cover of Bad dudes. <laughs> bad dudes. How bad are these dudes? <laughs> so bad. All right, let's go. So it, bad. It would have been cool if you picked something from Final, or if they did a Final Fight thing, because you know, if you go from Final Fantasy to Final Fight, you know, <laughs> and it's a final track too, or Final Fight. Oh, sh- the Mad Gear. That, they have. They, they, fight, I was right? about to say yeah. they, they definitely have Final yeah. Fight tracks because that's where their name comes but from. These, these guys have a yeah, great, but, great sense of humor. Yeah. I'm more of a, a dude kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. All right. There we go. This is a bad dudes. Yeah, dudes. And this, this is um, this wicked track. This is a uh this is live. This is a live uh, uh version of Bad Dudes from the yes. Mad Gear. <laughs>
I'm gonna write this down. I'm gonna look for that later. Yeah, that was definitely that... a Castlevania track. All right, so that was Bad Dudes, right. played by the Mad Gear, with um Bruce Irons on the drums. I forget the rest of their names, but they are some. They're the toughest guys in VGM cover band history. <laughs> they are Love those guys. But you're right. That is it is like Castlevania, isn't it? Kind of sounding like it. Huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it, I I I I'm I'm really positive at this point. Just a matter of figuring out which track it was. Like was it? I don't think it was Vampire Killer. But it was like not Vampire Killer. I don't think. But it might have been from Part Three, maybe. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to look it up later. We were talking about Shazam earlier. If we could just <laughs> sing into the phone. We had an episode a few um, months or even maybe even over a year ago at mm-hmm. this point where we were picking tracks that sounded like music from other tracks or if not exactly like another track. That's right. And uh, like sound alikes. Yeah, yeah. Sound, the sound alike episode. That thing was that was one of my favorite episodes to do. It was one of the hardest to do. Yeah, because it was purely based around like coincidences. If you just happened to stumble across the sound and you noted it for later, mm-hmm. but uh, at see, this got me thinking about it again because <laughs> like this could have been a cover uh, or like a medley of multiple games, which case it would be a non claimer. But if that was actually a cover from the game Bad Dudes. I'd want to put those two together now. So what is your, um, uh, your Pernell, your uh, bonus round track? My bonus round track, what? sir. Yeah, sir. Well, I'm going to keep this real light and classy. Essie, it's not classy at all. Who are we kidding? <laughs> um, I felt like I wanted to do something with the Genesis sound today mm-hmm. due to our discussions and talks. And I came across a track that is a cover of a modern track of which I love, but it's covered through... The Genesis sound, which is what you guys love over at Legacy Music Hour. So a blend of the modern with a bit of the classic. So this is a Genesis remix of the track Rooftop Run from the game Sonic Unleashed, originally composed by Tomoya Otani, Fumi Kumatani, Kenichi Tokoi, Hideaki Kobayashi, and Takahito Iguchi, but this was remastered by Phoenix Archangelus.
There you go. <laughs> so you were listening to, or are listening to, or were, I don't know. But you, this track should have been in your ears recently. It is the Genesis remix to the track Rooftop Run from the game Sonic Unleash, composed by, or rather, composed by, eh, who are we kidding? Redone by Metlovania, but it was originally composed by Tomoya Otani. So this track is, well, like I said, it's done with the intent being a working with the Genesis style of sound, but it is a remix to a track that is fairly iconic to people who followed my, you know, Sonic re- or new releases over the years because after Sonic 2006, I believe it was, which was horrifically panned, it did not do well at all. It was just a technical flop. Then this game is announced, mm-hmm. and this is the track and the stage that was used to say, Sonic is back, everybody. And you get Sonic running on the newly built Hedgehog engine, blasting through a replica of basically, I guess I want to say it was like France. Like basically, <laughs> it was pretty much France. Okay, and he's like blasting through the streets. Because this of music course, is playing. Of course, France. Oh yeah, it's because in Sonic Unleashed you're going around the world, but oh, okay. they came up with fake names for all the different places. But um, you're blasting through the streets. This music is playing, and it brings you the impression that Sonic, the Sonic you loved, is back, mm. and he's ready to tear it up. And then the game comes out and he turns into the world. Would Would you but, say um, the Sonic that you love is back now? Honestly. I'm in the minority that felt that Sonic himself, Sega was just botching it, but the spirit of him was always there. Mm-hmm. And it was proven in things like this here, this level, and other levels in this game where it was just Sonic. The ones that worked really worked. And then when Sonic Generations came out, that I, to me was... That, that the, was the newest one, right? Now, the newest the one was... character thing. No, that was atrocious. That was Sonic Forces. Now, <laughs> Sonic Generations came out in like 2000, let's say 13. Just throw a rough number out there. Okay, okay. okay. And it was the melding of the classic modern, the classic Sonic style with the modern, where they had like a weird fake time ripple and pulled both Sonics into like a weird time rift. Mm. So you were using modern Sonic to play through modernized versions of classic Sonic stages and then the classic Sonic was playing through re-envisioned versions of classic Sonic stages. Do you think two years from now we'll have a game that is um, a game that is um, the, the classic Sonic, then the 3D Sonic, and then movie Sonic, and they all meet each other somewhere? That would be freaking hysterical. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> It'd be kind of scary, though. <laughs> but I would watch it. I'm going to tell you right now, because I can tell you, the thing about Generations that was the best, aside from them doing like that perfect blend of two gameplay styles, yeah. is that they mocked their own heritage. Like they were making fun of the things that people already complained about the games. Like mm. there's a point at the end of the game where, you know, both Sonics are about to fight both Robotniks, the modern and the classic Robotnik. And all of Sonic's friends show up to cheer them all. Like you can do it. And then the classic Robotnik, who of course those characters didn't exist back then was like, who the heck are all these guys? And the new robot is like unimportant. <laughs> because no one likes like those random hedgehogs like the wackiness that just started getting thrown around but like the game is great and this track I felt was a good choice for that merge of the two yeah it, it's it's a melding of the of those sounds I wouldn't say it's faithful using Genesis hardware I would but, agree yeah but it's it's got that sound to it um, alright so mine is actually surprisingly faithful to the original music but it's an, an incredible arrangement um, I just I just discovered this, although it's it's a little bit older. It's from a um, a Japanese uh, 
like acoustic trio called uh, Maine Mainung, and it's um, Eriko Iwasawa singing, um, Hiro- Hiroyuki Kato on guitar, Makoto Suzaki on um, bass, and Kenta Sato on guitar. And this is their version of Dream of the Shore Near Another World from Chrono Cross. Oh, I know you like and, Chrono um, Cross. I'll, I'll have links in the show notes um, um, for some of their other videos and, and music because it's, it's really fantastic. So this is from Chrono Cross, um, um, performed by Maine Mainung.
Dream of the Shore Near Another World from Chrono Cross, um, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda, and this is arranged by the group uh, Mine Mainung, which was uh, Eriko Iwasawa singing and on the, the flute, uh, Hiroku, Hiroyuki Kato on guitar, Makoto Suzaki on the upright bass, and Kenta Sato also on guitar. And um, yeah, this is really amazing um, uh, arrangements of classic game music. And they've also done a lot of um, um, uh, uh, not arrangements, but original compositions for new games. I think I like a lot of like iOS games and stuff too. But just really, really talented, really, really good stuff. Just- I, sounds, it really sounds like one of those kind of like street bands, you know, that you see sometimes, <laughs> you know, those like, I don't know, they seem like Native American or something like that, or maybe like. Peruvian or something like that, you know those street bands you see. Just walking us like here, yeah. like, whoa, where's that coming from? I, I, I mean, this is like this is Chrono Cross is some of my favorite favorite music ever. It's what have stopped me on the corner. Yeah, I would I would stop there. and listen, and yeah, definitely throw some money <laughs> throw, throw some money. In whoa, 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 let's not go nuts here. <laughs> I would. I would, I would drop some money. Yeah, you drop some money. Come on. All right. Well, for, for more information on the bonus round part of our show, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to their band camps. Uh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. We'll have links to their band camps, bios, um, SoundClouds, everywhere where you can go buy the music and support the artists. All right. Um, thanks for joining us on episode 18-9 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is our, our jam session with the Legacy Music Hour. So Brent and Rob... Thanks for you know, taking the time, spending it with us. No, thanks for uh, having us. Thank you guys so much for having us, for chatting with us, for humoring uh, me and listening to some of my my uh, ramblings on games and just shooting the breeze with us. That was really cool of you guys. Thank you so much for, for the invite. You guys got it. I, I really like how you guys rock out to the the jams because i don't know if you've been able to see that or not brent i have i'm seeing it i have a camera oh yeah sometimes it backfires rob (laughs) i see it um you know uh let me see something here real quick uh can you see me real quick oh yeah hi do do you do you do you see me brent i do indeed yes okay i just want to rhythm and pixels (laughs) <laughs> oh. hey man that's so our that's good. that's our line uh. thank you guys for existing because uh. if you never did what you did and did it well for so long he would have never had the idea for us to even do what we do and we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now which has been one of my favorite you know episodes with guests in a long time this has been a lot of fun oh man the uh, pleasure was all on my side <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, all, all Rob's side, not mine. Not mine. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it, was, it was a pleasure as well on my on my end as well. I share that side. I share that side with Rob. <laughs> yeah, the West Coast. West Coast. Yeah, West Coast. West yeah, Coast. This, this, East Coast. This, West meets this, East. Which is funny, was, uh, by the way. Actually, like a friend of mine actually came and saw you guys. Like you did like a live performance. Was it last summer? I think it was. Maybe. Like, like my our friends Emily and Mike were at that show. Oh, okay. And they loved it. It's like, yeah, these guys are great. <laughs> but um, this was a nice e- EA four-way play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> this is a multi-tap experience. 
No, I noticed how I didn't say turbo tap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that darn thing. The, full, the four-way play was on the Genesis. Mm. Yeah, the turbo tap, that thing was a cash grab on top of cash grabs. Well, um, I know that you're, you have uh, more things to do tonight, so do you have anything you'd like to uh, plug to our audience before you head out, Rob? I'll plug the LegacyMusicHour.com. <laughs> um, and uh, please listen to Rhythm and Pixels. Plug you guys. Man, you guys are doing fantastic, and that was a lot of fun. I really dig your guys' format. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. All right. And, um, and Brent, is there any, do you have anything um, you'd like to talk about? Well, <laughs> just, I mean, like, you know, yeah, Legacy Music Hour <laughs> um, <laughs> dot com. Yeah. You can check it out on iTunes or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. I don't know. Check out Rhythm and Pixels. <laughs> I do have check, check, check out BrentWeinbach.com. There you go. Out, yeah, BrentWeinbach.com. Yeah, we got we to see more. Check out, fist, check out Fisticuts. You know, if you want to get a cut. If you're in Portland and sometimes other cities and you need to get a cut, you're, looking, you're trying to get a nice fade going or whatever. And uh, the standing challenge for Street Fighter 2 is open. It's always on the Genesis. Oh, and lately we've been playing NBA Jam as well, mm. termination. Actually, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say I had one last, I had one question myself for you guys before you go too. Is like, what two or so games would you say you'd recommend? Like, if you were like just to throw out, the, like you should be playing this game right now. If you haven't played it before, let's get on it. Like NBA Jam, <laughs> <laughs> boo from downtown. That's Rob right there. Downtown. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, like old game. Look, one of my more recent discoveries of older games that I think is such a gem and just. It's so good. Is uh, Gomberry Gomon Four from Super Famicom? It's so fun, yeah, and good. you need a little. There's a couple parts that you need to know Japanese for, um, but um, is that it, the one with know, the you, bunny people? The bunny people is not. That is. Uh, that's a different. one. That might be part three. Okay. I think. Um, but the uh, no, yeah, yeah, definitely not that. Yes, I think it's part three or two, two or three. But um, the part four though, it's so fun. It's really good platforming. You like the kind of thing, and um, yeah, that's a great game. I mean, I don't know. I mean, as far as modern games, I mean, geez, I don't know where to start. But you know, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but Inside is really good, or The Messenger. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, oh, uh, one other thing, I guess I can promote is i don't know this is not related to any of this and but i don't know i also do comedy and if you want to have this comedy special called appealing to the mainstream and it's on amazon and if you you know want to check it out you can watch it on amazon amazon if you have amazon prime you can see it for free um but there's uh yeah there's some secret stuff in it too if you can figure it out (laughs) uh some did you hide the konami coat in your sketch in your stand-up could be. <laughs> oh, I like that. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Well, thank you, Rob. Thank you, guys. And, and if you would like to um, get in contact with us, if you have um, uh, track suggestions or if you have topic suggestions for the show, send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And if you'd like to know more about the show or have a full track listing of all the episodes and access to all of our episodes, check out the website. Rhythmandpixels. Dot com. And don't forget, um, you can see us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Um, also, go to YouTube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. There we have um, our radio station playing nothing but 8-bit and 16-bit jams 24-7. And if you'd like to support the show, 
um, go to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels and you can support us there. So for every one of you, you've helped make this show possible. Yes. Um, so we'd like to thank. I mean, uh, <laughs> we would like to but thank. Who is there? I want to thank uh, that Nick Walker, Alex, the messenger messenger, Steve Miller, the autistic gamer, 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Shenstrom, Damian Beckles, uh, Bobby Arson from One Up Funk, which I have to give a huge shout out. So we just did a collaboration on a track. It's good that you can check out. It's called Frequency. Um, with uh, I'm I, I'm labeled as Press Start to Continue, and um, Bobby Arson did vocals on it. He's an amazing artist, amazing lyricist. Uh, you can check that out on our YouTube page, Rhythm and Pixels. Um, we also want to thank Wicked Sephiroth, OK Impala, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes Three podcast, Henrik Anderson. Michael Bridgewater from the Forever's Forever Sound Version podcast, Brian Pitt, Morton Gangso, Chris Murray, <laughs> Daryl the Last Recon, Jupiter Jazz. Oh, Daryl, also a new patron of the show. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate the welcome the aboard, support. sir. Welcome aboard, um, Jupiter Jazz. Thank you, um, Soulless Sanctuary. As always, thank you so much um, for the kind words and everything on Facebook. Um, Mix Six Master John Chikel, Joe Vasallo, Chris Steenerson, and David Smith. A wonderful, wonderful cast of characters. Yeah. The likes of which you can never meet <laughs> anywhere else in such high regard. Mm. But yeah, thank you all so much, so much for your continued support of the show. Um, so yeah, this this would have been a, a week later. This would have been uh, the end of season 18, or world 18. But uh, because of too many games, the recording just not working out. We'll have another live show um, in July, in the second week in July in Philadelphia. Go to rhythmandpixels.com. And there's um, kind of like a calendar of events. You can click on that and you can come see us. Um, we're going to be at a place on Market Street uh, for the Philly Podcast Festival. And that's going to be cool. Hopefully should... hopefully it'll be as much fun. I have no idea what to expect at these things. Honestly, we might well just do the same topic <sighs> that we would have done up there. Because that makes sense. Yeah, we should we just never do that cut anyway. it's yeah. the same topic. Um, it's it's going to be a whole bunch of cool pop culture podcasts. Um, a bunch of podcasts on like mental health, on sexuality, on politics, and then us. We'll be a podcast <laughs> on being good to your fellow man. That's right. Through music, song, and gooberdom. And maybe dance. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> well, I'll work out some things. Maybe I got my two-step out of hibern- uh, hibernation there. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to the show, Rhythm and Pixels. Um, my name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. See you next week. And good night. And remember, you know, everybody likes to talk. Everybody likes to listen. We love to have our listening parties jamming out to great tunes. But sometimes when we're talking to each other and socializing, we have a little bit more difficulty with getting a full listen in. Sometimes it's because you just can't wait to get a response into what's being said to you. Other times you just don't know what to listen for. You just want to go through the motions. But I can definitely say take the time to listen to what your friends, family, and Honestly, just people in your life have to say. Sometimes just for the words and also listen for the the sound, the way it feels to hear it. Mm. Because you can infer a lot just by the the sound, the feeling that comes from the way someone says something. Mm. And sometimes for people, that's worth this weight and gold because you'd be surprised how many people go through the day and never have anyone truly listen to what they have to say. Mm. So it's a... It's a good thing to try to actively do for folks, both that you know and that you not necessarily don't, that you don't necessarily don't know. Crack at it.